episode 123 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brandon Shawin, And joining me tonight are my other co-hosts, Mark Nadeau and Ash Collins. Ash, how's everything going this evening? Oh, just swimmingly. Excellent. And how about you, Mark? How are you feeling? I'm droning. Uh, but <laughs> this is the same joke we used like 100 episodes ago. Probably. <laughs> we're at the point where we're rehashing jokes. I only have <laughs> That's so, how long we've gone. I've only got room for so many jokes. So i got to rehash <laughs> them, you know. Spruce them up. This is a 2018 version. Yeah, but, it was better. Uh, it was better. Good for you. No, I'm good. I'm good. I just finished a stretch of six days working. Then I had a day off okay. yesterday where I cleaned the house. And I got called for overtime again today. So I'm exhausted. But I'm ready yeah. to talk film. Always ready good. to talk film. Absolutely. Well, that is exciting. So tonight we are kicking off our Enter the Matrix arc with a review of 1999's The Matrix. And we're also going to review the first two episodes of season one of the TV series Slasher, which can now be found on Netflix. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be a great evening. I can tell you that. (laughs) Until we start talking about Slasher. (laughs) Well, hey, we'll see what happens when we get there, right? Yeah. All right. Before we do all that, though, let's talk about how you can find us on social media. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. And you can also check out our long list of past reviews and all 123 podcast episodes right on over at cinefessions.com. And also, if you're a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are super important to helping us grow. So we thank you guys for leaving those reviews there if you have already and uh, if you will in the future. And as we have been mentioning, please, if you like what you're listening to every week, tell a friend about us. Let them know we exist so then maybe they'll start listening to us. And, uh, you know, that's that's how things snowball and grow. And so we appreciate you taking the time to both tell your friends about us and by leaving us that iTunes review. It was so weird. I looked at the uh, the website stats this this or yesterday, I guess it was, and I don't know what happened, but on like Saturday through Tuesday, we got more hits, more views on Cinefessions.com than like the entire rest of the year combined so far. I don't know what happened. It was crazy. And it wasn't like one single post that like went, you know, went big. Yeah. It, people were just visiting the site. So what, was you know, it, I, was it maybe a DOD attack from Russia, <laughs> yeah. you know, slabbing the I, site so it's down? I know. I thought it was like a mistake. I'm like, damn, there's no way. Like this is like double our highest previous day. So it was it was pretty cool. So hopefully when, you know, anybody who showed up liked what they saw and, uh, you know, maybe listened to a podcast or two and uh, gain some gain some new followers that way. So, you know, any anything helps. So we appreciate you guys uh, kind of spreading the word about Cinefessions uh, as, as we always do. So, yes, we do. Excellent. All right. So last week was our first double ender podcast and we hope you guys noticed the difference in quality. I know I noticed a difference in quality and Mark, you said you did I did. Uh, when you listened to it. No dropping out. Mark and Ash and I can talk at the same time and it doesn't matter. It doesn't drop anybody out. So that's awesome. Yeah. T- today though, it's a triple ender. Like shit's getting crazy and I'm excited. So hopefully 
the uh, the you guys appreciate the the bump in quality these past couple weeks, and this is uh, you know how we intend to kind of record going forward. Um, once you reach a new standard of quality, that you just you never want to go back. Mm-hmm. You just can't take that step back, you know, because it just sounds so much worse after the fact. But and I so don't know if you can tell right now with the way I sound, but I've been stapling uh, egg cartons to my wall to make it soundproof. Uh, right now, I just have one egg carton because I had a dozen <laughs> eggs for breakfast. So I'm not sure if you hear much of a difference. But uh, yeah. I, as I as my cholesterol increases, um, I think the quality as well of my end of the podcast will increase us. So exactly, uh, yeah, eating now, those yolks, folks, eating those yolks. I imagine you're kidding, but that's actually of like a legitimate thing that you can do because of the foam. But I, are you serious or are you kidding? That's up to you to find out. Yes, exactly. I don't know what they do in Canada. Maybe egg cartons on the wall is normal. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a traditional decoration around this time when exactly. the uh, groundhog goes back into its uh, hole after seeing its shadow. Uh, yeah. We chuck a lot of eggs at them. So we get all these extra cartons and we staple them to the sense. wall. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, hey, God bless Canada. Wait, wait. Right? Hey, you guys, speaking you of, you guys don't toys get the us. groundhog and murder them. And what's wrong with you? <laughs> Only if spring is sprung six weeks sooner. Okay. Yeah. Then we have a nice little roast. But uh, if there's six more weeks of winter time, then we can't, yeah. uh, you know, the groundhog goes back into its hole. And then uh, we're, we're not going to wait outside for six weeks until it comes out. So obviously. Yeah. Obviously. We right. eat eggs instead. And and Canada proved its superiority again today with yes. the fact that all the American Toys R Uses and Babies R Us are shutting their doors, but the Canadian Toys R Us stores and Babies R Us stores are going strong, and they are not closing their doors at all. So, so do you have yet, any alternate like toy stores? Like, no. I'm sure, you like I buy Amazon a lot of toys on Walmart, Amazon. That's it, pretty much. Uh, I guess yeah, Walmart's yeah. Walmart's big yeah. enough. Well, and the and like Meyer and any of the like the local chains right. type of stuff. If yeah. they're if they're like multi department store, the, mm-hmm. yeah, that really sucks. I'm not a huge toy buyer anymore, but uh, it's always fun to pop in once in a while to see what uh, the kids are playing with. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's and that's it, just it too. It's it's not necessarily Toys R Us fault. They got bought. Uh, yeah. They got saddled with a shitload of debt from. Uh, a bunch of venture KB, capitalists right? and yeah, KB. Yeah. It was actually debt from KB. So, yep. Yeah. yeah, it's so sad. Like to think that my like my children will never have Toys R Us is just crazy to me because it was such a huge part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone posted about you know taking the yellow tag for the video game up to the register and getting your game. Like that was my life when I was like you know whatever eight to 12 years old or whatever you know in that in that time yeah uh i just remember buying you know that's how i got my genesis or well, i didn't have a genesis but my uncle did so when i went to his house um it would bring my genesis if i had genesis games or or whatever the case may be that's how i got them and so just the fact that that's not there anymore where will not be there anymore is crazy to me well with big chains falling to the wayside like this you know it just mm-hmm. uh, helps the moment pop stores and the independent stores to flourish so buy local buy independent and uh, hopefully uh, they'll be able to stock the stuff that you want yeah the problem is a lot of those mom and pop stores already shut down because the the big chains already put them out of business well so i'm talking more like left maybe like comic book stores you know they now have toy right. sections things like that you know so yeah instead of buying big you know buy local exactly all right so let's talk about our weeks in media here ash what has been going on in your world the past couple of weeks 
work. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, not a whole lot. I've been doing. Uh, we're doing a supernatural rewatch starting. Um, oh, we got about ten episodes into that. I think my wife's actually watching episode eleven right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, without me, she screams from me. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, uh, so we're doing that, and I'm like six or seven episodes into Jessica Jones. So that's, okay, that's pretty much all I've had time to do. Really. Mm-hmm. Very good. I know it's Excellent. not very yeah, exciting. And, <laughs> no, I mean I'm I'm kind of in the same boat here. I have so little this past week. Um, I I didn't watch any films, didn't watch any TV of note. I was watching a lot of YouTube. Um, as per usual, um, but I did end up watching um the the fast lane pay per view this past Sunday, and um it was it was is I mean mediocre. It was fine. It was just an event leading to WrestleMania, so at least they didn't mess up the AJ Styles versus Naka uh, Shinsuke Nakamura match. That is still a go. Thank God for that. And the main event of Fastlane was like surprisingly very, very good. It was an excellent match. So um, that was that was fun to watch. But the the rest of the card was kind of ho hum. But I'm in like not too terribly much happened. Randy Orton, you know, won the title over Bobby Roode, but for the the U.S. title. But other than that, the other titles didn't change hands. Um, we get uh, they announced Charlotte versus uh, Charlotte Flair versus Oscar uh, for WrestleMania, which is going to be. F- stellar i cannot wait to see that um i really feel like if they didn't screw up the the brock lesnar roman reigns thing if they would have made it braun Strowman, this had the potential to be one of the best mania cards in recent memory but as it stands now i still think it should be pretty decent but man they just they really had the potential to be one of the best and uh they blew it a little bit there but i do like what they're doing with braun Strowman. he uh this past Raw, he basically like annihilated the whole tag team division and is now it looks like he's going to single handedly fight the bar for the tag team titles at WrestleMania. So that's kind of fun. That's interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Like technically, yeah. like, you know, he can give them a thrashing. He mm-hmm. should not win the titles. It's just going to make. Uh, that's uh, the thing. Yeah. Cesaro and uh, what's his other name? Uh, Sheamus. It's going to make him look bad. Not only that, it doesn't just make them look bad. The, it makes the, the whole entire division. tag division look yeah. weak. Yeah. So that, I mean, yeah, what they're doing is not good. But I love Strowman so much. And he's such a legitimate beast. Like, they've built him up so well. And just, he's so good. Like, I wouldn't be too upset, like, if they did it. Because you know, I, I don't have any long-term stake in the company. What the fuck do I care? Yeah. You know? So whatever. Just make me happy. So, I mean, it would be fun to see. It is funny though how you know his transition from the White family yeah. as a oh, fourth person, a greenhorn, and then yep. moving to Raw by himself, and then doing that jobber challenge. Yeah, with the whole exactly. Ellsworth, the Ellsworth, Ellsworth match really uh, it kind of blew up this uh, the storyline, and then yeah. him just progressing. It's really cool to see his transformation over the course of the last year. Exactly. And what I I love about him is like, I just love the man behind the character, like listening to interviews and reading interviews rather about him. He's so humble and like, he just, 
he knows like he wasn't you know he was talking about when he got there vince was thinking about pushing him right away and he was like basically against it because he said he was too green wasn't ready for it like he's just he's very humble and seems to be very intelligent and just like a genuine guy so like that just makes me root for him even more i also Um, think what helped him is the the mixed uh tag uh, challenge him with with um alexa bliss Yes, you know it, them being such opposites. I uh, I know, and their their promos are tremendous. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, so it, I, I whatever they do with him, as long as they don't waste him at WrestleMania, I'll be happy. But again, it's funny it's, how this is happening it's the organically. WWE, we're talking about. They are absolutely going to exactly. fuck this up. Absolutely, that's very true. I know. It it is great though, though how you know this is he's been. It got popular just being organic. You know, he yes. wasn't throwing down people's throats. Uh, right. People actually cheered him, you know, mm-hmm. as they should because they actually liked the guy instead of a guy like Reigns where it just felt force-fed, you know. Exactly. So it is really cool that uh, they could actually produce a, a, a star without, you know, having all the indie cred. They actually made a superstar within their own system. It doesn't happen right. often anymore. Yeah. And I mean, it was, yeah, the fans getting behind him and, you know, so what do they do? They put Roman Reigns over him because that's what Vince wants. And it's just like, oh, this is just so disgusting and obnoxious. And it's just like Rusev, like one of the most over gimmicks in the WWE right now is Rusev Day. Mm -hmm. And what are they doing with Rusev? Virtually fucking nothing because he got over on his own and they don't, Vince doesn't like when people get over without his help. Well, did you hear about uh, what he did on uh, tw- on social media today? I guess. No. Uh, well, okay. So we're recording today. Today's the 15th. So it might be old yep. news by the time this podcast comes out. But uh, he actually um, tweeted how it would be great to wrestle a celebrity at uh, Mania. So then oh. The Rock chimed in. He goes, well, I got a friend, Kevin Hart, just, you know, uh, you know KVA oh, DSTD as a joke, right? <laughs> But something tells me it's going to be like a big like uh, match between like Rusev and maybe, you know, like Shaq was going to go with Big Show a few years ago. So it might be something similar. So it could be The Rock. I highly doubt it's going to be The Rock. Mania is like, what, three weeks away? If that, two, three weeks, something like that. Yeah. Like it's coming up fast. I know. It seems this year that the storylines aren't really getting a chance to simmer. They're just being shotgunned in the microwave and... uh, Mania's, you know, in it's, a few weeks, so it's crazy. Speaking of shotgunning in the in the way, like the John Cena thing, like that uh, pisses me off so much. How yeah. weak, pathetic, and just uh, stale, or I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It's just um, I don't want to see Taker again. Bad. You know, now they say they're going to do the biker Taker, but I still don't want to see Undertaker wrestle anymore. His oh, is matches, that what you're hearing, biker taker? yes. I just his matches. Oh yeah, Undertaker gimmick. That's dead. Like mm-hmm. it got a great send off last year. That should be it. And now they're gonna do biker taker. Hmm. I I honestly don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I wouldn't mind seeing Undertaker again. That's fine. But and and if he didn't come back, that would be probably even better. But the fact that the way they're doing this with Cena, like Cena's lost. Everything he's done in like the past month, that month and a half, two months, that was anything of note. So then he could just come on Raw and and challenges Undertaker just out of completely fucking nowhere. Yeah. And like calls him out in this this ridiculous promo saying that he's got this ego and blah, blah, blah. And everybody knows that Undertaker is like the most respected athlete in the WWE. Like he is, he well, he's not now because he's basically retired, but he was the go-to for decades as like the locker room man in WWE. Like he mm-hmm. does, that's not him at all. 
And it's just like, I don't know, just the way they're, they're going about it is lazy. That's the word I'm looking for. It's well, just lazy. Cena is going to turn heel for this match, you know, because he can't come out yeah. as a baby face because the crowd is going to boo him and they're going to cheer for Taker, obviously. But so it's going to be like a semi heel move just for this one match. And then he'll be you know back to being a face again and, you know, selling a ton of merch to kids. I think they're so far beyond like John Cena turning heel. Like he's... In the, he's a tweener now, and he will forever be a tweener at this point because there's just always going to be people that people that love him, and always going to be the people that hate him, no matter yeah. what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, trying to you, they missed that heel turn years ago when they should have done it. Like uh, he was making way too ago, much money maybe a few years ago. You know, he he's one of the wrestlers that will probably never turn heel just because he's a merchandise machine. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, usually heels don't make that much money, but between the whole uh, Make a Wish Foundation and you know how the kids look up to him, they they couldn't have. You know, WCW did when he did Hollywood Hogan. Hogan, you know, yeah. but that wasn't a WWE, uh, you know, uh, switch. He he would have never turned as a bad guy if he would have stayed in WWF. If it was a different era, yeah, than it is now. Who knows what would happen with Cena? But, mm-hmm. Uh anyway, now that we've scared off half of our listener base oh yeah our wrestling <laughs> corner is done right exactly um and then the the uh, games i haven't done too terribly much i did play a couple more races in um nascar heat 2 with my wheel still having a blast with that um haven't done much else gaming from there um i did finish up my collection of madden i bought madden uh, 2001, two and three on the PS2. So now I have like the complete Madden collection from the sixth generation on, which was my goal. Um, and then I also made strides in my FIFA soccer collection. I bought like four of those that I didn't have on 360. So, you know, I have a, quite a bit of ways to go on that one yet, but, um, yeah, I'm on my way. And, you know, I understand that this is like the most worthless and stupid collection that one can have, but it's mine and that's the way I like it. So, um, oh, oh, I now also I have forgot. this. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll interject. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just got like just one more thing here. Um, I also have this this stupid idea of collecting every sports title that was released between March of 2004 to March of 2005, because that was arguably like that year was arguably the greatest single year for sports releases ever. Um with the games that came out. Cause like the, the 2005 series and the two K five series from Matt, uh, EA and, and, um, and, uh, uh, 2K, what did I say? 2K and EA uh, was just phenomenal. And like NBA street volume two, I think was out during that time too. So like all these games that are just classics looking back on now. So I want to collect and then play through all of it to see if that statement holds up that it was in fact the best year for sports games. So that's uh that's 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 what's going on in my life. So what what did you need to uh what did I, you remember, Ash, that you wanted to throw back in? Yeah, I uh I finally picked up um uh, Final Fantasy twelve the uh and, oh, I did, okay. and I did start playing some of that. I haven't gotten very far in it. Um but uh yeah, the revamp definitely worth a look. Um I mean uh, the the it's still gorgeous, still a gorgeous game. I did flip the mm-hmm. uh the um box cover around though because the artwork on the inside was hell of a lot better than the one that they had on the outside <laughs> okay oh so you bought the you bought the physical copy because i know the digital yeah. was on sale recently oh was um, it yeah oh this one i happened to get uh walmart had it on sale for like half off so i'm like yeah, oh nice. I'll, I'll go i'll go pick up that 
yeah, that's really cool. That's one I, I would love to I would love to pick up, but have not yet. So definitely definitely a good one. Awesome. All right, Mark. What about you? Anything cool to talk about this week? Uh, cool. Obviously, everything I'm going to talk about is cool. Duh. <laughs> Doi. Um, but I didn't have much time to watch too many movies. Actually, mm-hmm. minus the uh, podcast obligations, I watched one uh, for my Kino Lorber series I'm doing. I watched from 1984, Up the Creek, which is a, uh, I guess it's kind of like an 80s sex comedy. Okay. Um, about this university that's the worst university in the U.S. And um, every year, a whole bunch of universities do a raft race. And uh, the dean of this university wants uh, Bob McGraw and his friends to head up the uh, the team for the university and actually give them some prestige by winning it. So With a name like Bob McGraw, that screams prestige. So it makes sense. Bob McGraw, yeah. He's played by Tim Matheson, who was okay. in Animal House. And it also uh, stars Stephen First, who was in Animal House, and Don, pardon me, Dan Monahan, who was in Porky's. So a lot of, uh, oh, wow. you know, yeah, yeah late 70s, Sex early 80s. Veterans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you would know this movie by the poster art because it's pretty much uh, Tim Matheson sta- looking uh, like a cheaper version of uh, Michael J. Fox. On a raft that's uh, yellow with a girl's head and boobs holding a girl in a bikini. Um, so as a kid watching this, uh, watching the poster in the movies, uh, in the mom and pop rental uh, VHS places, um, it really uh, had an impression on me. Um, mm-hmm. So when Kino Lober did release this film, I had to pick it up right away. So I've had this for a while now and I think I saw this once. Uh, years ago. So watching it again was kind of fun. Um, as a film, uh, it's supposed to be a comedy. It, it kind of sucks. Like it's not funny, <laughs> but it is oozing with 80 stereotypes, which I love from the, you know, misfit heroes to the preppy blonde, uh, trust fund babies that are the heels of the film, um, to just the feathered hair of the 80s, the, uh, palette. Or pastel uh, color palettes used. Um, yeah. If this was really university back in the 80s, it's the type of university I'd want to go to. Uh, you know, <laughs> crazy parties, lots of flashing, good times. So if you like movies like Ski School and Hard Bodies, um, Spring Break, this is the type of movie for you. You know, um, again, I love the uh, poster. Oh, like the tagline is Who says a bunch of boobs can't win a race? <laughs> It's fucking fantastic. I had an uh. insert poster of uh, this picture that I got to waste on a few years ago. I just had it in my bathroom. I got it for like five bucks. So that was actually above my toilet <laughs> while, <laughs> while I was living in uh, in Gatineau. Uh, I don't have it anymore because it got ruined just due to the humidity. But um, uh. yeah, the, so the film's not good, but it's still nostalgic wise. It's fucking awesome. Um, so I'm probably going to be posting my review of it uh Sometime this weekend on our Instagram, if anybody's interested, I'm actually quite happy with the article I wrote. So I'll have that posted soon enough. So that's the only movie I watched, but I watched a lot of television. Um, okay. Yeah. So I watched, uh, let me go with my list here. I started a series on my tablet at work because it's been very slow while people are training. All the work gets funneled to them. So I'm just, you know, left yeah. with my fly open at work. So I started mm. watching uh, on Netflix, a show called spotless from 2015. And it's about, um, 
It's about this uh, French guy who... Okay, so you've seen the movie Goon, right? No, I haven't still. What? Okay, so one of the stars from Goon and in, in Glorious Bastards, the first scene with Christoph Waltz, you have that French farmer, you know, the milk farmer. For yeah, which which yeah. movie? I'm sorry. Inglorious Glo- Bastards. Oh yes. So it's that farmer, and it's the guy from Goon, the, the uh, f- French guy who's uh, a phenom, but he's got a drug and booze problem, so he sucks. Um, so they play brothers, and one of the brothers is semi successful. He's a crime scene cleaner for the police, okay. and uh, his brother comes to visit him, and then they run afoul with the local uh, underworld. And shit hits the fan. Um, so I'm only about five episodes in right now out of a 12 episode series. It's great. Um, the acting is awesome. Uh, the leads are lots of fun. Only problem is that it's an English show. So it's, so yeah. it's, it's, it's filmed in English. The two brothers are French, but now one of the brothers married a girl from uh, the UK. So, you know, the family is English, which is fine, whatever. But when the two brothers are by themselves, they keep speaking English to each other, which I feel that they would have, they would be speaking French to each other because they both have, like myself, maybe a bit of a thicker accent. So mm-hmm. it just to me was kind of weird that they would stick to English talking to each other and not have yeah. speaking French with subtitles. But I guess depending where this was originally broadcasted, you know, it would make sense to keep it all in English. But that's my right. only gripe for the show that I would think in like if it was, this was a real situation that, you know, if it's just them two, they would speak French and they don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really digging that. So that's on Netflix. Uh, me and Melissa, we watched uh, the series The End of the Fucking World. Uh, it's from, uh, 2017. It's, uh, I guess it's a comedy. It's an eight episode show. It's about 25 minutes per episode. So it's really short. And it's about a guy called James. He's 17. He meets a girl who's Alyssa, who's all 17. And they're kind of like the school outcasts. Um, James believes that he's a seal killer in the making and wants to oh, kill Alyssa. Yeah, I saw this trailer. It yeah. looks awesome. I got to see that yeah, one. Yeah. It's actually not bad. Uh, not, I expected something, you know, that it would go a certain way starting mm-hmm. the show. And it doesn't really go that way, which I'm kind of happy it didn't. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it, it, is it super awesome? I think it's okay. Um, but it's worth checking out. It's really short. Again, it's, I think it's only eight episodes long. And uh, yeah, eight episodes. And they're like less than a half hour each. So hmm. I, I would check that out. Apparently, it's Very based cool. off a graphic novel. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what the actual name is. It's probably the end of the fucking world as well. Uh, but it was well received when it was published. So awesome. Um, I also watched season two of Toast of London uh, with uh, Matt Berry, where he plays a uh, a stage actor who's got the worst luck and he keeps doing voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a it's a half hour show. Uh, season two only had uh, six episodes. So it's a quick watch, but uh, you can watch them over and over again because you just keep getting, you know, more and more jokes. Um, yeah. I, re- I really like it. So I have one more season to go on that. And uh, me and Melissa were also uh, eight out of ten episodes deep in the Netflix show Everything Sucks, okay. which is so this was introduced as the 90s version of Stranger Things. Which is complete bullshit because it oh, is okay. not Stranger Things. It's more like a '90s version of Degrassi. It's it's mm. Netflix's '90s 
Degrassi. Um, I don't like Degrassi. Um, so watching this, I thought it'd be more 90s retro. And it is 90s retro, like the sound, like they're playing all the pop hits, you know, in the, in the episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I'm not into this show at all. It's, um, well, so it's based in a high school in a town called Boring between the visual, uh, I guess, between the AV club and the theater club. And they work together because shit happens. I don't want to get too much into the plot. People actually care. Uh, but I'm really not into it at all. But I got two episodes left. So obviously I'm going to finish it. Um, so I was kind of bummed out that it was not uh, as good as Stranger Things or as scary. Because it is not scary. It is not a Stranger Things in the 90s. So if somebody tells you that, uh, run for the hills because their opinions suck. Um, mm-hmm. apart from that, we're still watching season eight of Supernatural. Um, I'm really chugging through those episodes. It's like a really, it's like ordering a steak and it's all gristle. You know, yeah. it, it just, it really sucks. I'm not into it at all, but I'm still determined to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to watch them all because I bought them all on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And, uh, probably after we finish everything sucks, we're going to jump on, uh, uh, Jessica Jones season two. But uh, apart from that, I still I'm playing my Darkest Dungeon on the Switch, spending a lot of time at work on that because there's no work to be done. Um, and that's my week. I've been working pretty much since our last recorded podcast. So, yeah, more TV than film. Okay. Well, very good. Yeah. At least you're you're getting entertainment one way or the other. Oh yeah, it, it's all over. It's not hard. Excellente. Well then, let's. Let's do it. Let's jump in to our review for the week. So today we are talking about The Matrix from 1999. So if you have not seen The Matrix, pause the podcast now, go watch it, come on back and hit play because there will be spoilers for The Matrix. So keep that in mind, there will be spoilers. So The Matrix had an original U.S. theatrical release date of March 31st. 1999, which is why we decided to dive into this next, this arc next, as opposed to waiting a little bit longer. Um, it was written and directed by the Wachowskis. Do you guys say Wachowski? Wachowski. I think I've talked about this before, but I would say Wachowski. Yeah, that's what I say. I just wanted to make sure I didn't yeah. sound like an idiot. The Wachowski so, siblings. Yes, exactly. Yep. They obviously, it was originally um, the Wachowski brothers. They have since um, undergone, uh, I don't, I guess, sex change operations or, or I, a, I don't a, a trans- identify as a personal metamorphosis. Okay. Yes, exactly. So now they are the, the Wachowskis. It has an IMDb score of 8.7 out of the 1,384,271 votes. And frankly, I'm wondering if that's like the most that we've seen on here. Like I have to go back to maybe Transformers. I'm curious what that number was. I don't remember offhand, but it's a lot of people, a lot of mm-hmm. votes. Has a Metacritic score of 73, a Tomato Meter score of 87%, with an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 85%. It currently has 4.12 out of five stars on Letterboxd based on 83,058 ratings. It had a $63 million budget and a... million worldwide gross. Incredible. Or I guess that not necessarily worldwide gross, just gross. I don't know if that's the worldwide or just the US number. I'm not sure. Um, And it clocks in at 136 minutes. So Mark, what is your history with The Matrix? 
Um, well, I never saw it in the theaters, but The Matrix was one of the three first DVDs I ever bought when I started collecting DVDs. Um, I okay. remember I was in college. And me and my buddy Ray Gilmino, we, uh, for some reason, I had in my head, I don't know how long I planned it or if it was just a spur of the moment thing, decided to go to my local, um, uh, like, uh, Best Buy. It was, it's a place called uh, Visions in Winnipeg. It's mostly in the okay. Western Canada and it's an electronic oh. store. And I picked up, uh, I think it was like a 27 inch TV. I picked up a whole <laughs> stereo system. I picked up a Blu-ray player all for my bedroom. So wow! I, Did you just like win the lottery or something? You're like, fuck it! I got to spend this money. No, I bought on store <laughs> credit. I got approved. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I th- if That's I recall fun, correctly, it cost me about twenty five hundred dollars. Holy shit! Yeah, and I was still in wow. college. Yeah, wow. uh, but but living with my folks, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, living they, the life. That's how you do it. They were not impressed when they got home from work that day. <laughs> um, so I don't know what I would have been impressed. Me. I would have been right. right. I know. Yeah. So I don't know what possessed me to do that that day, but yeah. I, I bought the system. I went to HMV when they were still around in Canada. They, they mm. closed down last year. And okay. I, I remember picking up uh, the Matrix on DVD with the snapper case. I picked up uh, Aliens and I picked up Ghostbusters. And nice. that was the start of my media buying because I never really bought VHS. But uh, I watched The Matrix that night, and uh, that's that's history. I don't know how many times I've seen it since, but uh, yeah. it's it's made an impression on me, that's for sure. Awesome. And what about you, Ash? What's your history with The Matrix? I never actually got to see it in theaters. Um, but um, one of the last VHS tapes I ever bought, I actually had to wait like a year to see it on VHS because they released it on DVD first for like the first year. Um, but it was also one of the first DVDs that I bought <laughs> when I started getting DVDs <laughs> instead of VHS tapes. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, uh, I've seen this, I don't know how many times I love this. Yeah, I used to Absolutely. listen to the soundtrack like every day on the way to work, uh, for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, my history with it, I, uh, like you, Ash, I also had the soundtrack. I had this, had it on CD and loved it. Um, but and actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, it was actually probably one of the sequ. Well, I don't know. I guess it might have been one of the sequels that I actually have on, that I had on CD, but I can't remember for sure. I guess. Um, but either way, uh, I first I didn't see it in theaters. I first watched it at my cousin's house. His dad had a uh, like a big big screen TV and a laser disc player, and I believe that's how we watched. This was on laser disc. Now, gun to my head, I wouldn't, you know, bet my life on it, but I'm fairly certain that's how we watched this. And it had to be sometime between like, you know, 99 and uh, like 2003, because when 2003 came around, then I, I went and saw the other ones in theaters and I would have seen this one before that. Um, but yeah, so I saw it then. And honestly, I don't know that I've, I, I probably have maybe once or twice since then, but I I don't remember watching that specifically a time that I've watched this movie again since then. Oh, wow. But I remember I remember loving it when I first watched it. But yeah, so it was... And that's and what's most fascinating about that to me is that even though I, I genuinely don't remember sitting down and watching this movie from start to finish since that time, so much of this felt 
like it was memorable to me. Like mm-hmm. so many of these scenes I remembered from that viewing. So it, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong and I did watch it just a couple years ago. And I just don't remember, but I really don't think I did because uh, that's usually something I, I remember. So that's my history with it. So I was very excited to dive back in. Um, and, and then right from the get go here, one of my first things, was, you know, I haven't seen this movie in about 15 years. And there's still something incredibly nostalgic about these opening moments. Like, it's just fucking iconic. And I felt that way about so much of the film. Just so many different scenes that just stick with you. And, uh, you know, there's a reason that this movie was so... uh, It made such an impression back when it was released. That very first slow motion ass-kicking scene is just bloody fantastic. I love that because obviously, you know, the Matrix kind of popular popularized this bullet time idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this, you know, even in the fight scenes when there's not necessarily bullets, but just the slow motion. And I, I, I think it's so cool. It still works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that initial yep. uh, scene with Trinity against the cops just sets yeah. the tone of the film, right? And that kick she does with the, I guess, the roto bullet time, even though there's yeah. no bullets. Uh it, it kind of put like nobody's ever done that before that I that I recall prior to mm-hmm. this film, and it just sets you know it just sets the pace of like this is the kind of film you're gonna get some kick-ass action scenes, um, you know sci-fi uh, some stuff you've never seen before and there's nothing like seeing a special effect that just you know makes your jaw drop and that's exactly right. what that initial fight scene uh, gets you going for like I was blown away. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Like, and and I love that moment when she like dives across the building and flies headfirst like through that small window, and then like ends up at the bottom of the stairs and holds the gun out, waiting for him to follow. Like, just such a cool fucking moment. See, to me, that dive scene where she is diving through the small window—that's the only kind of cringy moment in that whole sequence. I, I I don't like the dive. It could be because of the way it was shot overhead. Kind of like, you know, the camera's above her and then just kind of rotates around. Um, th- that, that to me, that's the only segment in that initial sequence that it isn't my favorite. But when she does land, if she, she does the somersault down the steps with yeah. her guns out, I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I obviously I like that moment, but, um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. And just the fact that it kind of creates like Carrie Ann Moss, um, she did a lot of like Canadian television and she was more of a TV star prior to the matrix. And this just, you know, shot her right up into stardom and, uh, it created a new crush. I was so in love with her when yeah. it came out, especially on DVD because like, Oh my God, DVD, you can see right. her, the pores on her face. Like, Oh, it's so crystal <laughs> clear, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I fell in love with her right away. I love our introduction to Neo, this just like sleep deprived computer hacker that has to, you know, quote unquote, follow the white rabbit. It's just a very cool introduction to him. Um, And then like seconds later when they they're at the door, I love that, like the guy who he's giving this whatever this computer disc to, like his girl is just like basically like flirting with him right there trying to get him to come out and then you know she turns a little bit and she sees the white rabbit and he's like yeah let's go like it's just a it's just a very cool scene done really well well obviously the film parallels you know alice in wonderland during mm-hmm. really the whole movie you know it's it's like it's like a futuristic alice in wonderland 
And what's so fascinating about it to me is that it's not even just one. Like there's so many, there's like a few fairy tales that it references. Sure. And I love that about it. I never caught that before. And I just really like that. Um, Obviously you get, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Um, At at like the, um, later on we get a uh, Wizard of Oz reference. Um, What's his name? Uh, uh, Cypher. He says something about like, oh, we're not in Kansas anymore, some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the, v- the very last moment of the film, it's almost like a Sleeping Beauty moment where he's dead or seemingly dead. And then she kisses him and it wakes him up. It was it felt very Sleeping Beauty to me. Like it's just there's so much there's so many parallels to fairy tales. And I think that's just so fucking cool because it is this futuristic, you know, kind of almost uh just like punk ish like a, a bit a little bit of it reminded me of like the aesthetics of like hackers which is a fantastic movie that we need to talk about on the podcast at some point but mm-hmm. um just that same idea and i just i love that mixing mixing those two aesthetics together i think it would have been better if they would have done cinderella instead of sleeping beauty and just have trinity put a shoe on his foot and he just wakes up <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome uh, there you go. <laughs> Hey, don't don't be bringing your foot fetish into this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh man, we already did that with uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino's films. Uh, true enough. But, um, and then you were, we were talking about the soundtrack already, but I and that's why I wrote down here. Like, I l- fucking loved this soundtrack when I was younger. Um, it was one of the few movie soundtracks that I owned on CD. Like this hard rock metal, um, almost like uh, not techno. Um, what's the? Well, I forget industrial yeah. uh, mix is just fantastic and i love the cd and uh, now that we're definitely that you brought tech, it up it's definitely techno too there's some techno okay out here, but yeah. okay yeah well, it's it's both and See, i remember yeah absolutely I, I i have to disagree a bit i i find the music makes the film dated so i don't like the I guess the industrial that they use in the film, like you got raw zombies, Dragulas, like, ugh, you know? Oh, and, I love that. And I don't like the um, the bass song that they played during the initial gunfight when they're going to save Morpheus. Mm-hmm. But what I do love is the orchestral uh, soundtrack. I, I love the original soundtrack to the film. Um, I find that the uh, orchestral um songs that they've uh, that they've written for the film it just makes the film so much more epic like when you hear the music when they're panning to find uh you know uh, ken or neo's pod when they're going to save them and there's electricity and then there's the the robots and stuff i just right. i love i i prefer the score than the soundtrack when it comes to the matrix okay so i don't know See, i like them both i think they work well yeah no i i agree with you Ash. i'm definitely in that in that boat um, one thing I will say though is there were some moments that the music felt a little too generic for me. I don't know if that yeah. was licensed music or what it was, so I'm not sure if that would be you know the score or the soundtrack. I don't know, but there were some moments that just felt a little generic, and it was like I'm trying to think of specifically like one moment. I feel like when they went to do like that right before they they cut, or maybe it was during that final um, like slow motion scene where they're in the hall and um, they're going to pick up. Um, more, uh, maybe this is what you just talked about. They're going to pick yeah. up Morpheus. Yeah, that's honestly, yeah, that felt a little generic to me. And there was a yeah. couple moments like that, but like that you were talking about Dragula, like I love that. And then at the at, it, during the end credits, we get um, Marilyn Manson's um, ver- uh, which it was some Marilyn Manson song. 
No, well, don't they have a don't they have a Rage Against the Machine song too? When the credits start? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, during the like when he flight when he flies away at the end. That that's a Rage song. Oh, okay. This was like in the black. Like it was just the black, white credits, black background. Maybe after that song, I stopped it. Yeah, I think it was after. Yeah, because I was I always let the credits play because I'm like finishing up my notes, and so I let them play. Oh, sure. It was after that one, and I think it's cool for the time. I just you know it feel to me it feels kind of dated twenty years later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How how old were you in '99 when this would have came out? Uh, I was twenty. Okay. Yeah, so you, yeah, I was like, how old was I? Like 11. So I was like probably 12, 13 when I was listening to it. So this was like the coolest thing in the world to me. So I think that's yeah. why it's still cool to me today. But <laughs> um, but yeah, very good. Yeah, I used to shoot heroin to this song right. back in my bar days. So <laughs> Exactly. So I, I don't want to say anything, but I felt kind of triggered tonight listening right. to this. You know? <laughs> oh, man. Would you, um, would you like to skip right to the intravenous injection of hard drugs right. uh, <laughs> uh, do, do, you, do you guys mind <laughs> never never okay. mind okay i thought it was fascinating and i don't know why but i thought it was fascinating how distracted neo was by the window cleaners while he was being reprimanded by his boss for being late i thought that was hilarious and then obviously they kind of they play with that those that scaffolding a couple minutes later um but he doesn't actually go on it and so i was like man i, I just thought it was interesting he was just so distracted by the cleaners um and well, then it, it just shows ahead. he's he's just bored with this job and really yeah, doesn't care so much you know he doesn't give a shit right that's very true yeah i love that scene and then you know speaking of iconic i feel like i'll say that word a lot so take a shot every time i say uh, it but the, the film is iconic though Yes, it is. And then like Neo listening to Morpheus's instructions for the first time. Like I love that scene so much. And that's another one. I remember watching the very first time I watched this like 15 years ago. Remember watching it and just being like, man, this is so cool. And thinking like, what if I got that phone call? Like, because you have to go when he says now, boom, you need to fucking go or you're law. Like you're done. It's like, mm -hmm. I just, I, that, that whole thing was just so cool to me back then. And it, it didn't get any less cool this time around. Like it didn't get any less interesting this time around. So well, and, I, I like that. And continuing with that scene, what was mm -hmm. cool, and I looked into it back in the day, is yeah. the phone he used, that Nokia, I think it was 80, oh, yeah. 8210 or 8810, the one with the okay. slides down. Nokia yep. is actually bringing that phone back this year. Oh, no shit. Yes, shit. I would love to get it, but it's not a smartphone, so I'm not going to get it. But back in right. the day when there were no smartphones, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Um, but apparently they were only sold in Australia back then because I'd oh. spoken to my local uh, wireless provider at the time. And mm -hmm. uh, it was not available in Canada when the film came out. But I thought mm. that was the coolest phone ever. That's awesome. Yeah, that is that is very – that takes you back to a specific time <laughs> Oh yeah, when you see that phone. Oh yeah, I love that. I totally forgot that th that he didn't like get away at that point. I forgot that he turned around and said "fuck it," like I can't do this and let him take him. Um, but that's that sets up our our first not our first introduction, but like our first real introduction of Agent Smith. Mm -hmm. And man, it's so interesting to see how young Hugo Weaving looks here compared to like his role in like Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, or not Winter Soldier, but. The first, America, first, first, uh, first Avenger. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just looks so young. But um, at but the same time, he didn't look that young. Like uh, he, he still looked old, you know? 
I I didn't think he did honestly. I no? thought he looks I thought he looked pretty damn young. Yeah, I mean I just just compared to what I've seen him in recently, he looks super young to me. Okay, but, okay, yeah. Well, um, I I just find Agent Smith to me personally is such an iconic character. Oh, like, yeah. and you know the the character itself is pretty cool because right. you know he's he's a flawed program, right? But the deliver like I became a fan of Hugo Weaving because of yes. this movie. Yes. And <laughs> it's his delivery of his lines, the way he speaks. Like I've seen this movie so many times and it's I would never rank it in my top 10, but mm-hmm. it's a film that is still like I just love it and I take yeah. so much out of this movie. So like every time I come across somebody called you know, last name Anderson in my head. I'm like, Mr. Anderson, you know, like right, yes. I, 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 I always think like agent Smith's voice or his we cadence. Were doing that, I uh, would... Yeah. We were doing that when we came out of uh fellowship of the ring. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Rivendell, Mr. <laughs> Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Frodo. Yeah. I just, I just, between his speech that he has, the, the speech pattern he used and Morpheus's speech, the way he spoke was, it's so eloquent. It's almost like he's doing a ballet. Hmm. And, 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 and and I kind of caught this today after seeing the movie like a hundred times. Well, guess we'll talk about Morpheus later on, but I just found when he's in the, the matrix or in the loading zone, he's a lot more eloquent and a little whimsical, like a very, Almost like a like he's a, a stage actor, you know. Like he's yeah. got these mannerisms, a little a little dainty, but still like he can kick ass when he fights, you know. Like he's very, I would say, even he's theatrical, and like you hear this when he's actually talking to Neo, even just on the phone, you know. Right. It's like you know, I must be brief, and like he just has this this sing songy without being like too thick. And it's, this is, it's two things I really take back from the film or take away from the film is the way that Morpheus or Lawrence Fisherman spoke as Morpheus and how Hugo Weaving spoke as Agent Smith. I still like, I will hear this in my head when I encounter certain situations and it makes me laugh because up until now, I thought I was the only one doing it, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> and that's why I find it so iconic is I took so much away from this movie, but, uh, yeah, uh, Agent Smith to me is one of the best bad guys I've ever seen. And again, like, like I said before, I just, I've become a fan of Hugo Weaving and I follow, you know, if I come across a movie I haven't seen of his, uh, I'll watch it just because he's in it because I find he elevates any project he does. Yeah, I would absolutely, absolutely agree with right. that. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, before we continue with The Matrix, there's one movie he did that I saw shortly after seeing The Matrix, mm-hmm. and it was on Showtime. I think it was a Showtime original film. Let's see if I can find it really quickly here. I think it's called The Interview. Yes, from 99, it's called The Interview. And it's pretty much, uh, I think it's one or two cops. I won't see it the one time, but I think it's on Netflix right now, in Canada uh-huh. at least. And it's, he is... In an interview room being grilled by police, they think he killed someone and he's trying to defend himself. And it gets, the story gets really messed up and really convoluted. Like it's Mm. a really cool crime drama. It was actually done in Australia. It's about 145 minutes, an hour and 44 minutes long. Um, 
And yeah, I think it's on my list right now on Netflix. So I'm not sure if it's on Netflix or the US Netflix. But again, yeah. it's called The uh, the Interview. And uh, if it's there, add it to your list. It's fucking fantastic. That's awesome. I'll definitely have to add that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I love shit like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my, my next point that I have down here, and I think it might be one just from the little bit that we talked that you might uh, not agree with, okay. um, Mark. So we'll see. Um, I, well, first off, I love that line, you know, how about I give you the finger and you give me my phone call. But oh. even e- uh, what I liked, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead and I'll see if we have the same, uh, same thought. Oh, okay. What I was going to say, what I liked um, right after that is like his mouth closing up. Yeah. Um, I thought the the CGI work was was pretty damn remarkable, especially for the fact that it was a film released in 1999. Like, mm-hmm. I really liked the CGI overall in this movie. Overall, yes. Now, I've watched this movie twice in the last few days. I watched yeah. it on Blu-ray. And then just before the podcast, I watched it again on DVD. And I will admit, I think it looks better on DVD because I find the Blu-ray, you kind of see the layer separation from like the CGI from then to what's being like, I just find the CGI is more apparent and it doesn't feel, it doesn't look as good. But on the DVD, because it's a little less high res, I find it works better. Huh, that's interesting because I, I did watch on Blu-ray and I watched it on my project, uh, you know, my yeah. projector screen. Yeah. And I, I didn't have the same the same experience but one thing i will say was that i think the blu-ray looked good but it didn't look as as crisp or as clean as i thought it would yeah um and they do have the 4k release coming out uh, later this year and i honestly i might pick it up if it goes if it goes down cheap enough at some point just to see how it looks on in 4k i would like to see the 4k but i don't think i'd buy it because Mm -hmm. again i just think it looks better in its initial dvd look yeah you know um but back to that scene where he gives the finger yes. something i love and it's so small it's so tiny but you know so he goes uh, you know uh, so you know uh, agent smith is talking to to neo and he's like i'm gonna give you this and he gives him the finger and then you just hear agent smith go hmm like it's, it's <laughs> so small it was like it's like oh okay you know it's like i'll give me the finger uh, I'll give you this, give him the finger, and he goes, huh? And I want my phone call. And then he goes into the whole mouth thing. But just a little like, huh? I, I, it, makes, I did... it makes me laugh. It, like, it's so perfect. It's so good. Yeah. I don't but, re- I don't recall. I may have heard it, but I, I don't recall it now. But that, it's just, that is funny. It's a tiniest of detail. And yeah. oh, my God. It's fantastic. Like, why would you need a phone call if you don't have a mouth or, or whatever he says? But again, it's like, it's yeah. like he's the way he speaks. Uh, how yeah, how it's can like, you make a phone call without the ability? Oh, yeah, <laughs> to, to speak. Like his voice and that cadence, it's like a Ferrero Rocher. You have the chocolate and then you have like mm-hmm. that gold foil around it. Mm-hmm. And like when he speaks, it's like you're opening the foil and you've got chocolate <laughs> every time. Every sentence uh, is a chocolate. It's so fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, one shot I really, really love is the shot. So Neo is—he's decided to meet. Um, I forget. I think Morpheus is the one who actually calls, but uh, Trinity and uh, the other two pull up in the car. But he's under that bridge, and we just first off car. we see him, and then just the—it <laughs> is a cool car, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like the the—it's raining like sheets outside, and just that rain pouring down over the bridge, and he's standing under it. The way that's lit and everything—it's just an awesome fucking shot. 
both with him just standing there and then again when 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 the car is there. I think that's such a great shot. If we rewind just a bit, the whole sequence where he gets bugged. Oh it, yes, you it's kind of that, funny yeah. because you know he's he's struggling because his mouth is sealed, mm-hmm. and like they rip open his shirt, and like Keanu, he's ripped, like he's fucking ripped. Yes, he but is. then, but then when they go to put the bug in, he's got like yeah. a doughy stomach. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, obviously it's a fake belly, like, right? But right. it's it's just funny how like he's ripped in one scene, and then next scene he's kind of like soft. Yeah, you know? that's hilarious because I didn't. I, I didn't if, notice the ripped part. I only saw the soft part. I guess. I wonder if I, actually I that might be a um, stuntable. Uh, like, well, no, like a prosthetic. Like maybe they made the prosthetic. Oh, obviously, yeah. Him for the prosthetic before they started. You know, long before they started shooting, and you know he'd been working. Oh, out up like to he that worked point. out. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. possible. It's very possible. But and and again, I find that the 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 bug CGI looked a lot better on dvd okay yeah yeah you know you convinced me mark i'm not trading in my dvd (laughs) no no you know what yeah don't don't uh, upgrade or don't sell off if you double dipped like i'm I'm gonna keep mine but uh yeah some films just look better on dvd for some weird reason probably it's just me you know but uh yeah i was i've yet to see one that falls into that category for myself but i've not seen this on dvd lately so i can't compare apples to apples like you were able to so yeah I might agree with you, but yeah, yeah I, I would say that DVD, that CGI, so. I mean, yeah, yeah, that CGI, I mean, you could definitely tell it was CGI. It didn't look great, but I mean, it didn't look bad by any stretch either. It looked pretty um, cool back in the day. Yeah. You know what it, it reminds me of was like a reverse, um, a reverse uh, scene from the thing, or I'm sorry, from the thing, from uh, Alien, when oh, the sure. creature pops out. It was yeah. very... Just the whole thing was very reminiscent of it with him like jumping on the table, shirt coming off. And then, I, you know, I don't know. It, just, it, it reminded me of just like a reverse of that. And then in the car, like sucking out the the bug, which is, is very cool. Just such a cool device. Like it's very steampunky almost mm-hmm. the device that they're using. Well, it's cyberpunk, um, right? Cyber, that's – yes, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. And, well, um, and but it, feels, it, it, it's just very cool. It, it's cyberpunk, but it feels steampunk in design. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. sure. like yes. like the device she uses, you know, it's so freaking huge. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it, it isn't sleek. It's very bulbous and mechanical, but like old timey mechanical. So, yeah, yeah it think- is steampunk. But what's weird in that scene, though, is that going in and coming out, there's no blood. I would assume, you know, you wreck my belly button and it would be mm-hmm. bloody. Like he's got yeah. some pink goo like from Ghostbusters 2 at the end, you know, <laughs> on, on the bug. But it was a bloodless scene, which surprised me. That's the Matrix, man. They can do whatever they want. Mm. True. Yeah, and then we already talked about all the, the Alice in yeah, Wonderland if references. Bugging, if, yeah, if you're bugging one of your batteries, you don't wreck it. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I wish I, I wish I was cool enough to rock the stemless sunglasses like Morpheus does, because those are fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would look good on anybody except for Lawrence Fisburne. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Uh, and then we get the um, the the red pill, blue pill scene, which and honestly, it came a lot quicker than I remembered it being there. And it's just such a fantastic scene. And one thing I love so much about it was the way it was shot. We get Neo's face through the reflection on Morpheus' sunglasses. Mm-hmm. So cool. Such a really like smart design. I really like that. So obvious hack question. If you're in Neo's situation, would you take the red pill or would you take the blue pill? 
Yeah, I mean, you got to take you got to take the red pill. That's the one that you took, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I would take the blue pill. I say, fuck this noise. I want to go back to not knowing any better. Well, he doesn't know what it. He doesn't know what's going to happen. So I mean, yeah, but us knowing what happens, you know, like I would, I would totally take the blue pill. Oh like, right, keep, yeah. And I make mention of that. That and that's so later on. Obviously, you know, we'll get to it. But Cipher um, talks about, you know, I know when I put this, I know that this is nothing. Basically, this piece of steak when I put it in my mouth, but it's still going to taste good. That's not the line at all, but that's the idea of the yeah, line. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you know what? Like he's right. Like he goes about it in a shitty way by killing his friends and whatnot. But really, why not just live in the Matrix? Like who fucking cares? Like, and that piece of steak looks so fucking good. <laughs> on yeah. DVD and on Blu-ray. Oh my god, I cannot no, wait not, to barbecue. I've not eaten red meat in like twelve years or something, ten years, eleven years. So it just oh. it never looks that good to me. I don't know why. Oh my god, oh, I'm just my mouth is. Right <laughs> my mouth is watering right now thinking about it. Hmm. And I'm also getting a boner. So I don't know yeah. what my body's telling me right now. <laughs> Your body's going through some changes right now. I have no idea. Maybe I should watch yeah. up the creek again. Exactly. <laughs> um, I really liked the, uh, I thought it was like just fantastic sound work as the, like the silver goo takes over um, Neo. And like when it gets into his mouth, he does a scream and it's like this like, um, very like electronic staticky sound mm-hmm. very manufactured sound but i think it sounded like just perfect for the situation i really love that right yeah, that's it, right before we get the uh like when he leaves the matrix right, basically right before he wakes up yeah and and damn a a bald and goop covered keanu looks pretty damn creepy i'll tell you that <laughs> oh yeah and like and he sh- like he didn't wear a bald cap like he shaved his body that's what I figured. For, yeah, for that scene, Sounds so I looking. think it was one of the uh, later scenes that they uh, that they uh, that they filmed. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, he fully shaved uh, for that uh, sequence. I remember one of the last shows I was doing in grad school. They wanted me to shave my head, and I was like, "There's no fucking way! Like, it's never going to go back! Like, <laughs> I'm balding so much already; it won't come back! Like, it's not going to." Um, I loved the when um, Neo is you know reborn. Just that whole. That whole birthing imagery, uh, you know, he's first he's just covered in goo and and uh, then he is like pulled up to the the light he's coming through, you know, um, and then he's even covered in a blanket at the end of it. Like it's just so blatant birthing imagery. It's it's crazy, but it works so well because he is being reborn into this new uh, new knowledge, this new discovery, whatever. Yeah, I, I didn't want to get into it on tonight's podcast just because they don't want to do all the research on it. But mm-hmm. there is so much religious uh, or uh, iconography, 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 Icon- iconography. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of religious tones in this film. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, t- to them creating their own religion to like take from Christianity and yeah, it, yeah. it's it, you know for a mainstream film, there's a lot of religiousness. I would say to the movie. And him being the yeah. one and the rebirth, the whole Christ thing, you know. So. Right. Yeah, there is like, a, a 
a ton to talk about there, I'm sure. But I, I'd have to watch the movie like two or three more times to really that, take and, all and that out. There's books on this subject. And I believe yeah. there might be a commentary track on something of that nature. I'd have to oh, double okay. check. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's been studied upon. I just didn't have the mm-hmm. time to get my read on. Right. Exactly. I thought it was interesting. So we're not in the year 1999. We're actually in the year, it was 2199, right? Is that what they say? Yes. Yeah. So we're like, um, whatever, um, hundred years into the future here. And, um, that, that's, I don't two, know. It's just 200 years future. Yes. That's what I thought. That's what I, I was I thinking. Know. Math is hard. I know. It is. Thank you. I work for <laughs> a bank and I use calculators. All right. So actually I don't, I don't do any of that anymore, but I used to. And so that's why I'm terrible at math. So yeah. So 200 years into the future we go. Uh, and I thought that was fascinating that like out of all of the, all of the time of, of mankind, the best, the the best place that they can put it, the peak of civilization was in like 1999 in that in that time. I thought that was hilarious. I love that. Mm-hmm. Another thing, I think I'm jumping ahead a little bit. That's okay. But another thing I think is interesting about just where we are is, I, yeah, this is much later, but <clears throat> Agent Smith says, you know, we tried to make a utopia for these humans to live in, but basically like they couldn't handle it. And I think that was just such, uh, you know, biting and, and, and interesting um, uh, social commentary there. I, I like that, but yeah, that's um, when he's with Morpheus in the chair yeah, and yeah. at the end. Yeah. But the, Oh yeah. Again, like the, this, the sound design was so cool. So when we get to, when we go to Neo in the matrix for like, for the first time, well, you know, after being reborn, I guess mm-hmm. um, with just that white background of, it's just like nothingness. Yes. The sound is so much different than the rest of the film. Like there's no echo. It's just very, it's more present. It's forward. Like it's just so different than it was previously. And I think that's so smart. Like just what a really intelligent sound design choice. I love that. Well, you know, they have great sound design choice and they've also got a really good aesthetic Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, like when you're in the matrix, everything's got this like greenish monochrome, like old school computer sheen to it. Yep. Uh, you know, when they're on the Nebuchadnezzar, there's a lot more purples and blues. Uh, you know, they avoid certain colors in the Matrix. That's why you, the girl with the red dress is so noticeable. Right. So, yeah, uh, everything is so well thought out, you know. And that's that's what makes, like, this film such a total package. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, yeah, so, and then, like, the whole... I guess I either forgot about this or never realized it, but in the, what the movie's telling us is in the early 21st century, humans created intelligent AI, and then eventually this led to the war with them, and we ended up scorching the earth. And that's kind of where we are now is basically the the last remaining humans trying to take back uh, the earth from the AI, right? That's yes. the story at hand. Okay. And I guess I don't know if I like I just didn't remember that or what, but that's it's obviously like so central to what's going on here. And so I'm glad that I uh, I noticed it this time around uh, or at least paid attention to it. Yeah, it's another variation on the Terminator story, you know, of mm-hmm. evil AI, the Skynet, and, you know, yeah. and it's just funny how like Elon Musk, you know, wants us to stop working on AI because it'll take over the world. So, right. Like you have to think, maybe AI it would be a good thing. Like, is there a, a story with like good AI where it never goes bad? I, I've never seen AI by Steven Spielberg. Maybe that's one. I don't know. Oh, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> but, um, 
And I always loved the idea, so I always love this idea of being able to load a disc filled with a technique or anything, anything really, and just knowing it after you load that disc into your into your like psyche or into your mind or whatever. That always fascinated me. I wish it was real just because I'm super lazy. So like I want that to be a thing. <laughs> I want to know so everything easy. fast. Learn a language in a split second. But then you oh, have to have God. those plugs in you though. Do you want those plugs? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hey, we'll 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 perfect it. All right. Well, you know, you only need the ugly. neck plug though. That was you know, or the head plug, you know, that's the only one you need. The head so plug. Yeah. Yeah. I love the um the fight scene between Morpheus and Neo. I just think it's so fun, like the uh karate the, scene the, or whatever. The dojo scene? The dojo scene. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's it's fucking fantastic. Scene. The dojo scene is so amazing. I love that yeah. sequence. And then I What's what's so great about this and uh, is how and well, at the end of this I guess is how easily easily they establish that if you die in the Matrix you die in real life with a mm-hmm. simple simple bloody mouth and a single line from Morpheus that sets up this whole idea that if you die in the Matrix you die in real life and I think that's just a very um, efficient use of dialogue and uh, you know using what you're seeing see not you know, see not tell or show not tell rather I really like that. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the the red dress scene, the blonde in the red dress. And what I love leading up to that, Morpheus is just walking straight through the crowd without getting touched basically by anybody. Whereas Neo's like, boom, boom, getting hit by every single person he walks by. That just cracked me up. Uh, but, it, but it just shows how Morpheus is able to control what's going on and, and, and Neo is not yet. Um, and I can't blame him for checking out the hot blonde in the red dress. But, you know. I love after that sequence, though, the... Um uh, Justin Mouse. from Event Horizon is uh, peddling porn. <laughs> wait, wait, he is right. yeah, him. Yeah, this him from yeah Event Horizon. Yeah, I got him right. No, no, it, it's not him. It's not. I don't, I, that's not this. It's not the same actor. No, Matt Duran. No, sure? no, he. I'm pretty damn sure the guy who plays Mouse is not in Event Horizon. It's not the same guy who gets uh, sucked into the Event Horizon uh, World okay, they, Court. They have a lot of the same cadences. Then that's probably what's okay. Me off. Yeah, yeah, it's not him. Looking at his, his list, but yeah. Okay, sorry. Oh, that's I apologize. okay. But yeah, I still love he. <laughs> I still love afterwards. He's like basically, you know, uh, hawking his you know porn program. But yeah, you want to go right? With exactly. That, that? Yeah. I, I love that. Now, he had some weird makeup, that mouse character, because when he's talking about, you know, pimping the red uh, the red uh, girl dress, mm-hmm. and also when he's talking about the tasty wheat, his ears are really red, like he was been bleeding from the ears. Yeah. And that, but like, I was watching this on the projector, so his ears were a lot bigger. And yeah. yeah, it looked like he was, like, bleeding from the ears, because his, compared to the rest of his body, his ears are crimson red. So I'm not sure if it's an allergic reaction to something like, you know, in the environment or whatnot, but that, that really bugged me. That's mouse for you. What do you expect? Ah, yeah, he's scurrying. I love the um, Neo says, are you trying to tell me I can dodge bullets? And Morpheus says, no, Neo, I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Like, cause that's such a great fucking line. I love that. Uh. Oh, what I like is when they're fighting in the dojo. And mm-hmm. uh, he's he knocked uh, Neo down. He goes, you know, how did I beat you? You know, is it because of my muscles? You know, right? Then, then he goes, you know, uh, do you believe what you're breathing is air or mm-hmm. something like that? And then like, there's no answer. And he goes like, hmm. I, I, I don't know why. I just, I just love that moment. 
You love a you love a good hmm, don't you? I'm you know what? Something new about you tonight. But it's a small it's a small things that you know exactly. can be bypassed the first time you watch the film. But I just love these. It's like these little exclamation marks to the character, which I really yeah. dig. Very strong acting because you don't get that with with weak actors. So no, you got that right. Cipher, I think, is such a great bad guy. Like I fuck, I just genuinely fucking hate him throughout this entire movie. Um, like he always feels slimy, even before it comes out that he is a genuine piece of shit. Um, but I just, uh, I think that um, you know, Joe, uh, uh, Joey Pants, Joey Pants, yes, Pants. How do you say his last name? Uh, Pantoliano is, is fantastic in this role. And, and you know, like it, it's Joey Pants. He's awesome, right? Do mm-hmm. you know what makes him skeezy? The fucking soul patch. <laughs> You're so right. It's the soul patch. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. You, you shave that soul patch off, and then you're surprised he's the bad guy. Oh, yeah, that could be, yeah. You're nope. very right. Oh, I love that. I'm trying to think of what I know him from. Oh, he's been shit. so much, but like. Dude, he's been in a ton from? of shit. He's in Goonies. He's in Bad Boys. Uh, Daredevil. Yeah, Is he, he should have known Daredevil. he was going to double cross him just because he was one of the bad guys in the Goonies. I mean, come on. Oh, that's right. Goonies. Yeah, that's one of them. Okay. I don't oh, like yeah. Goonies, but I, I remember. What? Yeah. yeah, Goonies is garbage. We've talked about this before, I think. Have, and you know what? Every time somebody says that, it just blows me away. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Just, you think the movie. Goonies is garbage and you don't eat red meat? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. All true facts, yes. It's horrendous. Like, he's in Memento. <laughs> Memento is fucking awesome as well. Yeah, I need to see that one again. That's one I, I watched on VHS and have not watched since. I definitely need to watch that again. And you guys watch Sense8. Apparently, he's in Sense8. He plays a guy Was called he? Michael Gorski, uncredited. Oh, hmm. okay. So, probably a small yeah, role. Interesting. But yeah, looking back, I'm looking at his uh, IMDb here. Um, I know more of his older stuff. But yeah, he's in, he's in Daredevil, Adventure of Pluto Nash. <laughs> hmm. Um He's uh, he's in a voice there. Uh, yeah, Memento ready to rumble. He's in. Oh uh, yeah, ready to rumble. I'm sure I would have. I'm sure I remember from that too. What yeah, a fantastic. U.S. US Marshals. He's in Bound. Another yeah, Wykowski uh, siblings. The, doesn't his character not make it through U.S. Marshals? I can't remember. I don't remember. I can't remember if I saw that or not. It's been so hmm. long since I've seen. Wasn't yeah. he in? Saw, yeah. Wasn't he in the Fugitive then too? He was in U.S. Marshals. Yes, he was in the Fugitive as well. Ah, sometimes I do remember. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing it out there now that you mentioned it, we are totally doing a uh, wrestling movie arc at some point. Oh, ready to rumble. Ready to rumble is on the list and it's happening. Oh, goody. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to crown you. Ready to rumble. Can't we do like movies that, um, not necessarily wrestling movies that star wrestlers? (laughs) Oh, that'd be even fucking worse. (laughs) Oh, man. I've never seen the Burman Commando, so I'll be up for that. There you go. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Um yeah, back to uh back to Matrix here. Neo's meeting with the Oracle is such a fantastic scene. Like it's just there I feel like there's so much depth to it that it's really hard to catch it all, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with the entire movie. Mm-hmm. But it all felt so important, which is exactly how I feel like it should be. Yeah, um, there's just, there's no wasted dialogue in that. Everything, right. everything Absolutely. said there has some kind of, either to the character. Exactly. Ah, oh, it's such a great scene. I was so entranced by the whole thing. And every time I do dishes, I'm yeah. like, there are no spoons. 
<laughs> Every single time I'm cleaning a fucking spoon, I'm like, it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, another another moment that stuck with me ever since I first watched this film was the deja, the deja vu moment with the black cat. Yeah. That is just, I don't know why, but it's because like, I, I feel like I've feel deja vu so often and every time i feel deja vu i always think back to the matrix and that scene like it's so good i'm the same way and it sticks with me too because of i think a lot of uh the other characters reactions to it because neo's like oh Mm -hmm. deja vu and they're instantly all of them are like what (laughs) exactly it's a huge moment yeah (laughs) i love how they hide in the walls i think it's just so fucking unique and so well done um, and then like when they slide down and the tiles on the outside of the wall, they're like popping off as they go. Such a cool scene. Yeah, it's very cool. And then it's, it's just, you know, how, how Morpheus kicked Neil's ass and then Morpheus yeah. getting his ass kicked by Agent Smith. Right. It just shows how powerful these agents really exactly. are. And then we get the cypher scene. Where like, and this is why I wrote down, I was like, fuck you, Cypher, you piece of shit. But at the same time, like, I don't necessarily disagree. Like we talked about that the Matrix isn't a better world than the, you know, quote unquote, real world that they're in because it, it may be real, but it's incredibly fucking shitty. And so, you know, I understand where he's coming from. But again, the way he went about it was pretty terrible. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, like, you know, you're talking about, I don't know, I just feel like there's so much, like, um, like you're talking uh, so much religious imagery in there as well. And, you know, Cypher's like, you know, I, what's that miracle? What's the miracle going to be that, you know, something's going to happen that he's not going to die because he's about to kill Neo? And then, boom, um, what is it? Tank, I think, is the one who pops up and blows blows Cypher away. And so, boom, there's the miracle they need. Like, it's just so... Uh, the, the timing on it's so perfect. It's just it's, it works really well for me. Yeah, the thing is, he got shot twice with this uh, with this electrical weapon. I was actually surprised the first time I saw this that he actually survived because he got hit pretty good, and then his brother Dozer just got smashed. And yeah. eventually, you know, so but getting zapped twice and still walking up around and still being okay to do his job. Uh, kid's got guts. Tank. He's got he's guts. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I just, I love Trinity. Like, she is such a fantastic character because she's, like, the only real, f- like, well, I guess one of the um, the other, there's another female on board, but she's such a smaller role compared to Trinity. Yeah, Switch. Um, but she's just, yeah, Switch, right. Um, but she's just a genuine badass. And, like, I love, you know, giving the orders and just putting Neo in his place at the end when she's, like, you know, I'm the commanding officer of this ship and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's... I, it's just it's so good. Like I definitely see what you know why you had that crush, crush back when. Like she's just that. It doesn't hurt that she's wearing all leather, right? Know? Like exactly. she looked, ba- she looked badass. She could fight. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she was. You know, she wasn't seen as well apart from Cipher as just a woman, but she was like the second in command. You know, like she garnered right. respect from the get go. She didn't have to work her way up to get the respect. She's already at that level, and exactly. that's kind of refreshing, you know, especially Definitely. in a in a sci fi film like that. Yeah, uh, it's it's not something that you see normally. So mm-hmm. it was it was pretty badass of a, a kick ass female lead like that. Definitely. So I'm sure I I missed this and. So just uh, help me. Um, okay. 
so one thing that was lost on me was why, and I feel like maybe I know the answer, but why do the robots need the humans anyway? Like, why not just exterminate them? And then as I was writing that, I th- I kind of get a bit of an answer. And so basically correct me if I'm wrong here. Like mm-hmm. Agent Smith talks about that the maybe the reason the Matrix exists is so that they can find and destroy Z- Zion. Yeah. So like, is the goal to exterminate the humans or what? Like, I'm I'm lost on that. I guess. Well, not to exterminate the humans because they're a battery source, right? They're the power source, but they want to exterminate the okay. rebels. And Zion is the only human city that's free. So they need to get the codes right. from uh, from Morpheus so that they can break through the defense system to destroy the rebels. So in a way, it's kind of like Star Wars. You know, Vader doesn't want to mm-hmm. destroy the universe. He just wants to crush the, uh, the, the rebel alliance. So right. to me, it's the same thing. Once all the humans comply and become battery power, then they have nothing to, to worry about. Okay. So I, I guess I missed the battery power section. <laughs> Well, that's the whole point of like it being those pods, like, you know, uh, Nero, Nero, Neo being uh, all bald and whatnot. It's because they're, they're being sustained and grown, um, for, for energy. So that's okay. what's keeping all these robots alive to begin with. Yeah. See? I knew and like, because the, that's because the, the sky, so the, uh, that the robots can done for power. So the robots are like, yeah, exactly. Like they were, they were solar powered and uh, they thought if you get rid of the sun, then you won't have the robot problem anymore. And uh, they just evolved. Hmm. Fascinating. See, this is why I have you guys because you got to explain yeah. simple, basic plot points to me. Yeah. They MacGyvered it, you know, they just took exactly. a human, a paper clip and an electric, <laughs> uh, an elastic band. And there you go. Batteries power, you know, there's your Absolutely. power source. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we get one of like the, uh, what I might be my favorite action sequence of the film, the shootout in the, in the lobby. Um, yes. It's just so great. Like it's shootout. it's one of the more iconic action sequences from all of the 90s. Um, and like I love how the debris all flying around from the pillars just being destroyed. Like it just looks so damn cool. Such a great scene. That's always stuck with me. Yeah, once I hooked up my sound system to my bedroom and yeah. I brought like girls over to my place to watch movies <laughs> in my bedroom, that's yeah. the scene I would show to show off the sound system. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, listen to this. Bullets in this corner of the room, bullets in this corner of the room. Like, You're such a player. Look at you. Oh, dude, thank you, electronics. <laughs> um, I would like to thank my RCA DVD oh. player for not breaking down on me. $2,500 um, well spent. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, but yeah no that scene is what i would use to show off what i bought because Mm -hmm. it's so fucking good absolutely that's awesome and you know the last scene you know when they're in the elevator the door closes and they go up and that one piece keeps uh, falls off yeah that was a fluke it wasn't supposed to fall off it just did and it was a perfect way to end the scene yeah wow that's yeah that's awesome I love that. And like, so you get that iconic moment. And then like seconds later, you get that, uh, that elevator shot of like Neo and Trinity riding up the elevator shaft, with, like with the rope. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the like bullet time, more bullet time with Neo dodging the bullets. Like, oh, it's just so fucking good. Like ever from the beginning of that scene where they walk in with all the guns, basically through the end is just remarkable. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just done action sequences done perfectly. I just love the scene when they're in the helicopter and Neo is just shooting that Gatling gun 
and you know yes. the uh the sprinkler system oh is God, going off yes. in the uh, in the building and the bullets are just Raining just splashing down. the water oh yeah it's so cool between that and then you see a close up of the machi- of the uh gatling gun and just you hear the bullets just falling from the machine mm-hmm. yeah it's it's uh, goosebumps it's just so fucking good it really is, yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I wrote down next. But basically, both of those things, the sprinkler with the rain and, and then the literally the bullets raining down on the camera. Like, oh, God, it's, it's so good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, man. I totally forgot about the helicopter going into the building. Like, if this if this film was released two years later, that shot would have been edited out. Um, and it's just fascinating to see because you don't really see that too often, even nowadays planes going into buildings you know what i mean you just don't see that very much anymore yeah and uh but man it is it is just a an awesome fucking moment like it looks really good i thought it looked really good again it's hard to believe that this film's from 1999 and when did columbine happen that was 01 right columbine yeah was that 01 no columbine was like 96 97 98 somewhere in there oh i thought it was after the matrix Mm. No, oh, you, I was, you must be right. I was you in Dearborn. Right. Okay, yeah, I was living in Dearborn when it happened, and so that yeah, was 99. still it happened in ninety nine. Okay. Yeah, oh, so it, technically it was after this. It was like April. Yeah, April. Of April of ninety nine. There you oh, go. So you're and, right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, cool. <laughs> Not cool, but right, I thought maybe right. this film had an, you know, a stylized effect on, uh, on uh, you know the the killers. Oh, the trench coat mafia. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think they that was like a. Uh, like a title that they had for a while. Okay. And so I don't imagine they saw it and then two weeks later did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, good enough. Yeah, this came on the 31st of March in 99. So right. yeah, yeah, maybe it had no effect whatsoever. Uh, yes, but, and then like, again, just Mr. Anderson, we talked about it so much already, but just the sing-songy way he says that at the end there is just so memorable. It's just fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh my God. One, this scene, this shot, I was, it was so fucking cool. So, oh, this is right after he said, Mr. Anderson, you know, and so we're going to get this, we're going to get this standoff. And instead of like a tumbleweed floating across the screen, like in a Western, you get the newspaper floating across the screen. Oh God, that's so good. That's so fucking brilliant. I love that. Again, a very small detail, but it makes yeah. the scene. It's like a high noon, you know, the first mm-hmm. to draw. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Like, that's so, so, so cool. So, yeah. my new details, man, makes a difference. You're right. Oh, so good. Um, we're getting real close to the end here. Um, I loved watching as like the agents or as Neo was running through the streets, the agents changing into like from the other civilians into the agents. I thought that w- looked really cool to watch. Especially when he goes through the woman's uh, apartment. Yes. And then you see a woman in the kitchen cooking, then yeah. a knife, and then it pans back and it's an agent. Right. That's I pretty funny. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then like they just shoot him the fuck up. Like that was genuinely like hard to watch they were t- it was so brutal how how many shots the uh, the agent uh, agent smith took on neo at the end there and i was like wow that's fucking brutal um and don't really then blame though i don't blame him no, because he was a exactly. nuisance in the sure agent's was. eyes he was a total nuisance right right um and then again we talked about kind of like the sleeping beauty coming back from the dead after the his true love quote unquote kiss there cinderella um, yeah um and then Again, he just fucking at the very end takes control and just destroys the agents, uh, stopping the bullets and out of such a great sequence again. 
it is funny though because when he jumps into Agent Smith and then mm-hmm. he starts cracking and he splits, yeah. I'm like, this is totally Hellraiser. It's mm-hmm. like you know, uh, right. Jesus wept, and then he just explodes. I'm like, that's that's his <laughs> Jesus wept moment. Oh man, that's awesome. All right, so we are at the end here. So any other uh, any other uh, moments or scenes or anything that you want to talk about, or should we move into our final thoughts and our star ratings? Let's go to our final thoughts. All right. So, Mark, what are your final thoughts and your star ratings for The Matrix? Well, I had fun revisiting the film because I probably hadn't seen it in uh, probably 10 years. Like, I bought it on Blu-ray as a digital book, and I never never popped in my player. So, it was fun to come back to it. And since I'd seen it so many times prior, I, I just had such, like, nostalgic feelings Mm-hmm. Rewatching it because fuck the movie is 20 years old next year that's yeah. rid- it just shows how old i'm getting because to me <laughs> this is still a new movie you know um right. yeah i i just love the film um it's i quote it in my head so much you know i think like agent smith sometimes you just because of his dialect um you know morpheus is awesome the fight scenes are some of the coolest choreographed fight scenes that i've ever seen from like 99 up until like the raid came out. I can't think of a fight film that is so intricate and so cool. Mine is the Jackie Chan movies, you know, because those are just awesome. Uh, but like a North American product, well, the raid is in North American. Anyways, um, just, I find the fight scenes, they, they still hold down. Um, or I should say hold up. Sorry. Um, it revitalized careers. Like Carrie and Moss went to did so many awesome flicks since then. Um, Keanu, you know, he had his uh, Bill and Ted. Then he was reborn in The Matrix, mm-hmm. and then it seems like he's reborn again with his John Wick films. Like the guy keeps reinventing himself, yeah. but at the same time, he doesn't really change. Right. You know, he just it's it's like it, the, his relevance just goes up and down depending on the tide. Um, and like Lawrence Fishburne, you know, he's made so many movies, but to me, he's always going to be Morpheus, you right. know? Um, yeah, I just, I just fucking love this movie. It had everything, minus, again, some music that feels a little dated and some special effects just to today's eye doesn't hold up as well as back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to me, this is a perfect blend of sci-fi, action, gunplay, uh, kung fu, Um it's a four out of four stars for me. Perfect. We got four stars for Mark. All right, Ash. What are your final thoughts in your star rating for The Matrix? Oh, I, I hate to ruin it for you guys, but no, I fucking love this movie. What else is new? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, I, the, it's so well put together. It's well shot. It's The script is great. The dialogue's fantastic. Most of it, you know, is just... It flows so well between them. Uh, I think the effects still hold up pretty, pretty freaking fantastic. Um, I for a while, and this is one of the staples of our uh, Center Fashion Summer Challenge. Anyway, it was this and right, Alien right. and Star Trek movies and stuff like that. For so you know, I've watched it far more recently than Mark has. Yeah, I I love this movie. So yeah, four out of four. Eight. All right, and there it is. No pressure, dude. <laughs> oh, hell yes. The Matrix holds up just as well today as it did when I watched it back in 1999. And I said earlier that I was 11. No, I'm a fucking idiot. I was 13 because I suck at math, as we already established. 
It's hard. Wrath is hard. Technically, technically I was 12 when it came out. You don't read me, and you don't like the Goonies. That is just, there's three three, three against you right there. Exactly. (laughs) But this is an absolute icon of the sci-fi genre, and it's easy to see why it influenced so much back when it was released. This is a fascinatingly cool story that genuinely made me think as a 13-year-old and still manages to do the same to me as a 31-year-old today. There's something timeless about this, which is fascinating because it's so very stuck in the late 90s in terms of the aesthetics, yet it still feels timeless. I think all of the connections to the different fairy tales helps with this a lot um, as those themes are themselves timeless. Um, And I definitely didn't pick up on those back when I first watched it, but I love that I did this time. It just adds another layer to this truly unique and interesting film. And I love it even more because of it. I also really enjoy the music in this one. And I'm genuinely surprised how well all of the CGI and the other special effects hold up this much later. The Matrix is excellent in virtually every way. I'm shocked how quickly those two hours plus flew by. And I'm really interested to see where it goes from here because I just, I don't really remember anything about the sequels. So with that said, I am proud to announce that The Matrix receives four out of four stars from me as well, making it the second film into the Cinefessions Hall of Fame, joining Pulp Fiction. Woo! Oh, I got goosebumps. I'm so excited. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Maybe we just need to start watching more 90s flicks. Maybe that's our <laughs> Maybe that's the uh that's the answer. Yeah, in both 90s films. Yeah, it's yep. true. Yep. Excellent. All right. So, before we call it quits for this evening, let's move over. So, obviously this is normally where the best in the backlog challenge segment comes in, but we are taking um at least a, a break from it, a hiatus from it for a little bit here. Um at least for this arc, we'll see what we do next, but Instead, we are going to watch through Slasher Season 1, two episodes at a time. So today we are reviewing, uh, we watched, and we're going to talk a little bit about Episode 1 and Episode 2 of Caesar one, Season 1 of Slasher, which you can find Caesar, on Netflix. Caesar 1 yeah. at 2 per yeah. day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, we are uh, so recording can find on this. the Ides of March. So yeah. The Ides of March, yes. So episode one was titled An Eye for an Eye, and uh, all of these episodes were actually written and uh, written by Aaron Martin and directed by uh, Craig David Wallace, all of season one. So keep that in mind as we go forward. Episode one and episode two actually both originally aired on March 4th, 2016 on the Chiller Network. Uh, there's a different, it was a different network in Canada, but I can't remember the name of it. But Inter- well, a super channel. It was on super, super channel. Okay, that's what it was. Yes, but now season two came out and it's a Netflix original at this point because it was a Netflix season and so they just dubbed the whole thing Netflix original. Blah blah blah. Gotcha. So um, episode two called "Digging Your Grave" or "Digging Your Grave with Your Teeth." Um, so episode one debuted with two point one two zero million viewers, and episode two uh, released to point one one zero million viewers. So you'll kind of see that number dwindle as the uh, as the season goes on. But so <laughs> just just for uh, kind of to throw it out here, Ash, you've already seen season one of Slasher, haven't you? Yes, I watched it actually when it first popped on back in. Okay, very good. So this is re- a re- a reviewing for um, 
uh, a repeat viewing rather for Ash, but it is the first time that Mark and I have watched through it. So yeah. uh, what we're going to do is, yes, there will be spoilers for the episodes that we've talked to and and previous and so we, there will be spoilers for episode one and episode two, but there will not be spoilers for the rest of it. Uh, Ash won't talk about anything past episode two, and we won't uh, obviously be moving forward. We won't watch the next episodes until we are going to talk about them on the podcast. So you guys can mm-hmm. watch along with us. We're going to do two episodes each. So yeah. All right. So I I okay. Here's here's the thing. I'm going to kind of give everyone a rundown of what happened. I had a, a, like a meltdown. I watched this first episode. I took notes and I was like, oh my God, like this, first off, I this is only like a 50 minute episode. And I took three pages worth of notes and I'm like, dude, like I don't want this to be an hour long segment. Like, what are we going to do? Like, how should we go about this? And Mark said that, Mark, what you did, you just watched both episodes and then kind of, you know, just decided, you know, had some, maybe some mental notes and just going to wing it. Um, yeah. And so I decided, you know, we're not going to talk through step by step like we do, uh, like we've done in the past with TV series. Um, just kind of give a rundown of what we our thoughts were for these first two episodes mm-hmm. um, each week and then kind of just have some discussion based on that. So um, I just ended up watching the second episode without taking notes and then kind of wrote down my thoughts for uh, for both the episodes, which admittedly were a lot of thoughts. But, <laughs> um <laughs> If I start, it's just going to be. I'm okay, start. I'll start. Wait, okay, wait, go wait. Ahead. wait. I have a question first. Are you sure it was three pages of notes, or was it five pages? It. <laughs> this was three. That's a very I good promise. question. Because at the bottom, that's, that's a valid question. It says question. page three of three. So okay, okay, yeah. just checking. But, just checking. All right, so I'll I'll kind of spew through my thing, and then you it. guys can talk about yours, and then we'll kind of mingle at the end, I guess. Sure. Um. So I, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything here. This is a terrible series so far, and I <laughs> genuinely regret that I chose to review this for this arc. There's. There's so much wrong with this show, which is basically a mix of the most basic plots, plot points of Seven and The Silence of the Lambs. Um, like I said, I took detailed notes of the first episode, but that was too long. And so I'm just going to kind of talk about them both together. So first and foremost, the whole premise to this is something that kind of confuses me. So Sarah, our main character, she supposedly is returning to her hometown to live in the home that her parents were murdered in, which we see in the beginning. So... The thing is, her parents were murdered when she was still in her mother's womb because the opening scene, which admittedly was pretty cool, yeah. um, we see her get cut out of her mother's womb. Well, that is, well, fortunately, like the actual cutting out of the womb is, is off screen, fortunately, but that's what happens. So you'd have to assume that she wasn't very old when she left the city, yet she comes back and she knows people that live here already. Like, I just, I don't get it. So how does she know the cop? Like, is that explained and I'd missed it or well, how long was she gone from the city? It just didn't make sense. Well, what happened is that like she got ripped open from, she she got incited, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and uh, she lived with her grandma who lived in town. So like she grew up in that okay. town, m- moved away and came back. But, okay. So uh, how, her, like, her grandma, how her grandma, gone? oh, who knows? But she she grew up there. She might've even gone to school there and came back after, you know, some job Went through, I don't know, but she does have a history in this place just because uh, uh, she uh, she got, was born in the house, um, but her grandmother like raised her in this town. Okay, so so I, so to I, me, she went to school. She graduated college or high school, and then she went to college, and now she's back after so many years. 
to me, she was being treated as such an outsider that it was as if she was just returning for the first time in like decades. And she's probably only like 20 something years old to 25, maybe somewhere in their mid twenties. And so it just felt like her quote unquote return to the city couldn't have been more than if, if it was even a decade, I would be shocked. Like it feels like maybe, I don't know, five to seven years. And so like the whole, I don't know, the, the newspaper headlines and everything, it just felt so stupid to me. Well, I find it's maybe the town thinks it's weird because she's going to go live in a house where her parents were murdered. Oh yeah, it is. You know, is. so, right. so yeah. to me that that's the big story. Like, oh, you know, uh, be, baby back in the house or, you know what I mean? Like, right. so I think the big thing is that like, she's actually moving into the murder house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which yeah. is odd. Ugh. Yeah. So, Next thing I'll talk about is the technical sure. aspects of this thing. It felt like I, it, it feels like I'm watching a well done collegiate thesis project. Like <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was weird because literally in the first, like the first 10 seconds in, I felt like I was watching an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, which like was a favorite Nickelodeon show sure. of mine as a kid. And I think mm-hmm. that's fascinating because Mark, Well, that's a Canadian production. And Mark, Mm -hmm. you texted me. You're like, man, this thing feels so Canadian. And you are so right. Like right from the beginning, I felt that. Um, And that's not a bad thing, man. You're like, no, I I love Are You Afraid of the Dark, you know? And I love the Saw movies. But unlike those, this just feels cheap. The acting, for the most part, feels incredibly stiff and fake. And it's just bad overall. The worst part, and, and this shit always bugs me. Is that our main actress does a terrible job of trying to hide her accent. Mm-hmm. I initially thought she was British, but it turns out she's Irish. Yeah. Either way, she slips into it way too much. And that is so distracting to me when I'm watching when I'm watching anything. I hate that so much. Yeah. Um <laughs> I don't know, I don't know where to begin. But yeah, it just it just it it feels like to me, this is like a Canadian version of Scream. It's it's really it's yes. scream. We're yes, watching we're watching scream TV. No, no, no. A. I, I'm sorry. No, no. But this is I, I would watch this over Scream Day. Sorry. Oh no, over the no, no, oh, no, no, no. I I actually kind of dug the first season of Scream. Um, See, but I, to me, to me, this is like this is it's with the same plot. She comes back home. Mm-hmm. You know, killers, a copycat killers killing people around her. You know, she's not feeling safe. And like, it, this feels so familiar. So I'm not feeling any dread or any, I don't feel scared at all. Not that I would to begin with, but mm-hmm. honestly, at this point, I don't really care about anybody on the show. I kind of like uh, the, the gay couple that uh, that are in the real estate. I think they're kind of funny. Um, I thought they were okay, but again, they just felt so forced. It felt so fake. And that's oh, like... Oh, ag- agreed. Ah. But the whole show is so blah. They're just yeah. a bit of an injection of fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, everybody's really boring. Yeah. Like, e- like, even, the, even the crazy lady with the mental oh, health God, problems. I hated her. What a- she's, she's annoying. I don't yeah. feel bad for her at all. I don't exactly. really, I don't believe we know exactly where her trauma comes from, but right. she's not sympathetic in any way. I thought when she spat on the window, on the glass window of uh, Sarah's shop in the second episode, I just thought that was so gross and yeah. uh, disrespectful. I'm like, well, I hope she dies next. <laughs> well, I think that was the point was for it to be disrespectful as humanly possible. But, but. I just, I just don't like spitting. Like, even like wrestlers when they're wrestling and like yeah. they spit on each other, I find that just so disgusting. You know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, 
You know, yep. the production values, they're, they're lesser than MTV, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Um, exactly. I did think that the killer looks interesting. I, and that's one I, thing I do like is I think the killer looks badass. Like, I love that design to him. Yeah, that, that hangman outfit. I, I yeah. don't mind that. Um, and I actually do like whatever gore gags they have. It's actually done very well. Right. Like, yeah. you know, um, like, again, the initial murders in the first episode were really cool. Um, when the lady, uh, the next door neighbor gets uh, her hands and feet cut off. I thought that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. The, the rest is just very blah. And it's I'm waiting for it to get good. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad it's only eight episodes. We're a quarter of the way done already. Um, right. But I'm not excited to watch the next episode so far. Yeah. Like, like you have to, you have to think. Uh, Melissa recognized the biggest star in the show, and that's uh, fucking uh, the chief Dean McDermott because she watches the Tory Spelling uh, reality show on Slice or whatever Lifetime Network you have in the states. But oh. that's that's the biggest star of the show that that we've recognized so far is Tory Spelling's ex husband. <laughs> well, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, yeah, he's the chief in the white shirt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and then the character of Sarah, like I cannot stand her. Like first she decides to, to move into this house where her parents are killed for whatever fucking unexplained reason. And like they say, why not just sell the fucking thing? But no, it, it was then, for fucking reasons though, because they're actually producing porn. Right. Exactly. Which yeah. I didn't expect that to happen. Oh, that was kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll talk about that too. Uh, okay. Um, and okay, so yeah, she they move into this house, and then she insists on getting this like bitchy, nosy neighbor across the street to like her. Like it's obnoxious as fuck how badly she wants her to like her, and yeah. it just made me hate her that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real reason I can't stand her though is the fact that for some reason, for some inexplicable fucking reason, she insists on visiting the man who violently murdered her parents. Like yeah. The writing in the show is absolute shit. And the only reason she makes this decision is to bring in the Silence of the Lambs aspect where she tries to use him to help figure out who the new killer is. Oh, but and could it be any more blatantly fucking obvious that the killer, this Tom Winston, is her actual father? I mean, that's got to be the most obvious fucking plot twist that's headed our way, right? Well, that I don't know. But I do find that Tom Winston is the most entertaining character on the show. Yeah, he's he's fine. Yeah, he's 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 perfectly fine. He, in his role. he reminds fine. me of Brad Dourif. <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, right. Yeah, that's I, fact, I thought it was him when I first saw him. Yeah, and I like Brad Dourif. So just by proxy, I like mm-hmm. Tom Winston, played by Patrick Garrow. Um, yeah. I don't know the act from anything else. I haven't checked his MDB, um, right. but I find Tom Wilton's character is the best so far. Mm-hmm. But it's so fucking weird that Sarah has become has warmed up to him. Right. And so Wait, fast. Oh my god, it again? bugged me. Oh, Tom Winston? Tom uh, Winston. He's the he's the guy in jail. He's the guy who killed the her oh, parents. What's the, oh, what's the okay, actor's yeah. name? What's uh, the actor's actor name? Uh, Patrick Garrow, G A R R O W. Okay. Yeah. What bugged me so much, she went to see him for the first time for whatever reason. And yeah. then like he says like two words to her and she's like, Oh, this is this is done and like walks out as if she was there like against her will. I'm like, what the fuck? Like you just oh you I, know. I cannot stand you. And Ugh. what I also don't get, so the night that her parents die, uh, her dad's friend yeah. gets sliced in the cheek. He becomes right. a priest, and he's got dealings with Tom in jail. And yeah. it's almost it's almost like Tom has control over him. I'm right. like, what the fuck? So yeah. I, I'm I'm okay. I'm not looking forward to watching more, 
No. I'm curious, though, to see where this is oh, going. God, I'm not but, at least. Uh, but, see, and uh, I guess I didn't I didn't make much. I had it in my longer notes, but I didn't put it in my thoughts here. But, uh, like, the fact that, like, the whole premise of this is based on, like, the fact that his, her, her parents were, like, swingers and shit. Like, who fucking gives a shit? Like, what a yeah. weak fucking plot point to drive this entire thing. Like, but, oh, God. It looks like a very conservative town and to have yeah, swingers, exactly. you know, filming porno, you That's know, uh, I'm sure people might uh, look the other way or, or, you know, not be very happy with their practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, we're two episodes in, who do you think the killer is? I, knowing, what you, knowing what you know right now, just these two episodes, who's your pick? I mean, I literally have no idea. Like, I I couldn't, one, I couldn't give a fuck less. And two, like, it could be literally anybody. Like, the I, the, the plot twist I see coming yeah. is that Tom Winston is her actual father. Okay. But in terms of who the killer is, yeah, I, it's pro- like, is it even someone we know at this point? Like, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it was just some fucking rando. <laughs> well, my, my guess right now is Sergeant Cam Henry, the blonde guy that she knows, yeah. the cop. Who was protecting um, oh, yeah. Robin in the hospital? Mm-hmm. I think he's the killer. That's that's my guess. Two episodes in, could be. Yeah, I mean, like, who else? I mean, like, what are our other options? Like, her husband? Shit, uh, dude, it could be anybody. And like you said, it could be somebody. People. It could be somebody that's not even introduced yet. It's very right. possible. Yeah, like yeah. with Scream. When was well, that don't get podcast for that? But. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just because I don't know if people have watched it, so I don't want to get spoilers for that. But yes, that's uh, yes. Fair enough. Example. Fair enough. But, yeah, and like so, one thing I will say that the show does well are the kills. They're surprisingly gory for a TV show. But yeah. the problem is, even with those, like the whole premise behind these kills is lifted directly from the, from Seven. Like they tied to the Seven Deadly Sins. Sure. And that's and that's what bugs me. Like we're two episodes in, and I have yet to see anything that I would describe as unique outside mm-hmm. of the badass killer's costume. Like, yeah. that was genuinely cool, I thought. But otherwise, it's just a rehash of, like, the most basic ideas from two incredibly popular psychological thrillers slash horror films. And it's just a fucking chore to watch. Like, ugh. Yeah, this show is not reinventing the wheel in any way. Um, mm. And, you know, again, we saw the pilot. We saw the follow-up to the pilot. It should get better. Um, I'm not, you know, going to run downstairs and watch the new episodes right away after we've done recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I don't want to put the couch time in. So yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit of a chore. If we weren't but, watching you know for, the, for the podcast, I would not spend a single minute, another minute with, yeah. this, with this at all. Well, the thing is somebody here didn't want to read subtitles again and not watch the dark. So we're watching exactly. this instead. Exactly. So, you know, whoever that person is, you can only blame that person. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. Fuck him. That's fuck right. Him, fuck him in the B. Yeah. So, wait, I mean, wait, that said, two episodes, about? we're talking about me. <laughs> oh, that's right. The guy who doesn't like yeah. the Goonies can't count. And Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, okay. you know, okay. two episodes is not an entire season, and I understand that. So, there's still a chance, like, things can turn around. But seeing as there are just fundamental problems with the story, the terrible writing, the stiff fake acting, it's yeah. going to take a whole fucking series transformation to win me over at this point. And like, I I don't want to be negative. I apologize for the negativity, but it just happens sometimes. This show is fucking terrible so far. Ash, what did you think of the show this far in? Well, I, I have to admit when I watched this, I watched this over 
So I got to episode okay. four before I turned it off and then went back to it. Like, yeah. so I wanted to know. What went on. Um, I was kind of ambivalent on the characters. I want to say it's better, but I, I think this series and both have the problem of we're going to take this horror franchise that plays out better over you know the course of an hour and we're gonna you know eight yeah or yeah. an hour and a half and we're gonna do eight and so they like they feel like they have to cram and i think mm-hmm. the problem with this season of it and i haven't seen the second season uh, yeah is and it's that yeah. they they focus on a couple of characters whereas scream we felt at least a cast of seven or right, yeah right right and what and they just you're just they just spend so much time dumping all shit on it it's like mm-hmm. i remember when i first watched this series by the end of it uh i, I don't even know if i like this or not so <laughs> to be honest so <laughs> i mean i it it's like like you said though the kills are are pretty decent but mm-hmm. it has the problem of so one thing i will say is that there are significantly more kills in this than there was in like just in these first two episodes than there was in the entirety of season one of scream the tv series yes I really that there were but, yeah, One, two. there was like no deaths in Scream the TV series. There was like, I, I, I'm just, uh, not in the entirety of it, I guess, up until like the three quarters of the way through. Then some okay. people started dying in Scream, but like there was almost nothing because that was something we talked about in the podcast when we were going through it, how like nobody's fucking dying. Yeah. But here there's three in the first episode. I meant to keep a kill count. There's three in the first episode. Um, you think four, but then you find out the boy's not dead at the beginning of the second episode. Uh, so there's three, and then I think there's what two maybe in the second episode, maybe only one, the the boyfriend. Um, I think just the boyfriend, right? Yeah, I think just the boyfriend. Yeah, so four Some so far. Bad coke. Yep, exactly. All right, so we will continue with episode three and four on the next podcast. So we'll see if it gets any better. Let's hope. Let's hope so. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna wrap things up for this week. So remember that we are going to be taking next week off, but we'll be back the following Monday, April 2nd, with our review of 2003's The Animatrix and episode three and four of season one of Slasher. So again, we are moving on to The Animatrix next uh, as opposed to um, The Matrix Reloaded. So or, so just keep that in mind uh, if you are following along. Mm-hmm. So as always, if you have a question for us here at the podcast, hit us up using that hashtag in film we trust for any questions you'd like us to answer here on the show. Again, make sure you tweet at us using that hashtag in film we trust. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter, just give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is that you're listening to us. Those positive reviews help us uh, reach a larger audience, which is always the goal. So we appreciate you taking the time to do that and appreciate you telling your friends about the show. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love interacting with our listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all those platforms. And Mark, remind our listeners where else they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at Mark underscore Nadeau. That's M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U. Or on Letterboxd and on Instagram at mnado 2 Fantastic. And what about you, Ash? Uh, you can find me here in Tumblr, uh, Ash, A-S-H-E. Fantastic. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter feed and on Letterboxd under Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. All right, gents. We got a new arc going. We have a new Cinefessions Hall of Fame member. I am so fucking excited right now. <laughs> Yay! Woo! All right. So we'll see if uh, any of these other ones will 
live up to the original as we continue on here. Oh, I highly doubt that, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to go with no. Probably not, but we'll see. All right. So as always, we just want to say thank you guys for listening to episode 123 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 